Welcome to the podcast that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Get ready to go beyond the bell. With your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. WCW becomes the place where the big boys play. This week on Beyond the Bell. Welcome back to WCW 101, the history of world championship wrestling. Students, we open up our textbooks to Chapter 7. The big boys are coming out to play. This edition breaks down the controversial Starcade 93 card and the departure of Sid Vicious, leading to the feud between Big Van Vader and the returning Nature Boy Ric Flair for the WCW title. Relive the retirement of Ravishing Rick Rude. Cactus Jack's destroyed ear and the return of the Lethal Lottery. Find out what former WWF talent made the jump to WCW during this time frame. Also, follow Eric Bischoff behind the scenes as he attempts to sign the biggest free agent in professional wrestling history. All this and more after this quick break. WCW 101 Chapter 7. Okay, this week, Groupon members are going to save 50 to 90% on great daily deals all over town. They're going to discover new restaurants, spas, museums, famous people, helicopter rides, juggling classes, a different kind of juggling classes, concerts, yoga studios, theater, golf, lessons, more lessons, movie tickets, and a whole lot more. If your week doesn't sound quite that exciting, maybe you want to sign up for ours. Groupon.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Bell. Chapter 7 leads us into Where the Big Boys Play. We're going into Halloween Havoc on October 24th. The year was 1993. This show only had one complication from the TV tapings, as the Bookers decided to have a tag team title switch in between episodes of the syndicated shows, to create some interest in the match. Again, those syndicated shows, those TV tapings, hurting the booking style of matches that we saw on live pay-per-views because of these title changes back and forth. Another example of this. Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell, a.k.a. Buff, won the titles at a Saturday night taping three weeks earlier, which was taped closer to the air date than the syndicated shows. The title switch was shown the day before Fall Brawl and changed back the next day on the pay-per-view to the Nasty Boys, so it wouldn't affect the syndicated continuity, trying to make things fit. In other action, Ice Train, Charlie Norris, and the Shockmaster defeated Harlem Heat and the Equalizer. Yes, the Shockmaster versus the Equalizer. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was counted out in his match against Paul Orndorff. Regal and Davy Boy battled to a draw for the TV title. Dustin retained the U.S. title over stunning Steve Austin. Sting pinned vicious. Flair was disqualified in his match against Rude for the international title. And the blow-off to the Vader and Cactus Jack feud resulted in Vader winning after Race used a taser on Jack, a very unsatisfactory conclusion to the confrontation to the feud. WCW announced that due to the brutality, there would not be a rematch between Jack and Vader, letting down the fans. Also, it should be noted that Sid Vicious was shown as the WCW World Champion at the tapings earlier in the year. The plan was to break up the Masters of the Powerbomb, the tag team combination, and have Sid and Vader main event Starcade with Sid winning the world title. They had two months to set this up, and both a class show, and the Battle Bowl occurring during that time. But not much was going well for WCW this year, and this plan was no exception. Soon after Halloween Havoc, WCW had some shows over in England. An argument between Arn Anderson and Sid Vicious took place in the hotel bar, which was quickly broken up. Arn went up to his room, and then later Sid went up to Arn's room, reportedly 
armed with their chair ready to go. When Arn opened his door, a brawl took place, and Arn's grooming scissors ended up being used as a weapon. Yes, scissors, folks. When it was finally broken up by other wrestlers and officials, both had several stab wounds, and Arn, getting the worst of it, nearly lost an eye and almost having his kidney punctured in the matter. Somehow, they managed to get both men out of the country without charges being filed. Shocking, right? But that meant that less than two months away from Starcade, one of the competitors in the main event might not be able to appear because of his injuries from the fight. They tried to wait and see if Sid would recover in time for the show, but yet another complication arose. The locker room revolted and demanded that Sid would be fired. As they basically saw him as the instigator since he went to Arn's room. Many of the wrestlers were going to no-show the upcoming Battle Ball pay-per-view, so WCW finally fired Sid said they had it. Sid was gone. Now WCW was in major, major trouble. WCW did not have many options for challengers to Vader at Starcade, as Vader had already gotten through Cactus Jack, Davey Boy Smith, and Sting in the last few months. Ricky Steamboat had been wrestling in the mid-card for almost the entire year, and there wasn't time to elevate enough time needed to elevate him or U.S. champion Dustin Rhodes, for that matter. It would have been tough to convincingly turn a heel such as Rick Rude to face Vader since there wasn't a previous connection between them. Only one man was over enough with the fans and had seen as having a legitimate threat to the title. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Welcome to a flair for the gold. Tonight's special guest will be former NWA heavyweight champion, Harley Race, and WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Big Bad Vader. And now, here he is, Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Who is this? Well, let me just step back here. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the finest French ballet that money can buy. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Fifi. As I told you last week, I promised you a big-time sports celebrity, and he's here with us tonight. I'm talking about none other than the world heavyweight wrestling champion, Big Van Vader, with the legend of South, Harley Have a seat, guys. Have a seat there, big man. Beefy, beefy. Bring the guys a drink. 
Relax now, hey. This is pretty good. Peter, right there, brother. Have a drink. Give one to Harley, honey. Harley, every time I see you, you are in the championship picture. You've won the title for years, and now you're managing the world heavyweight wrestling champion. Well, Rich, honey, let me tell you honey, something. Bring, bring the big man some food. First time I came back to the WCW, I walked down that aisle and I brought back a world's heavyweight champion. I got this man right here. This is three times around world's heavyweight champion. Big Van Vader himself. You know, Harley, a lot of the folks out there don't know that Big Van Vader was a huge success on the continent for years. Before he came to the U.S., made a commitment to WCW, and in a period of short years, am I right, big man? In a period of two years, he has won the world title on three different occasions. Three times! That's three times. Right. That's three a remarkable times. feat. And there you are, Harley Race by your hey, side. We're not here to talk about the past. We're talking about the here and the now no, no, and the no. future. Um, Get on with it, please, Nader boy. Nader, relax. Get on with it. I've got some questions that the public wants answered. First of all, first of all, brother, you're, he's a lot to handle, man. He's hey, hey, first time around, he sat in that seat so many times. I've sat in that seat many times over the years. How does it feel to be the most hunted man in all of professional wrestling? We're the champ. Night in and night out, brother, you got to be ready to defend that title against the greatest stars of the WCW. Hey, it's a lot to handle, brother. Let me tell you something first, Nature Boy. Vader is the hunter. He's not the hunted. And I'm tired of hearing about everybody. I'm tired of hearing about Davey Boy. I'm tired of hearing about Sting. Let me tell you something about Sting. Sting has been to Vader's of pain. Oh yeah, he's suffered pain and he's endured pain. And that's why I'm the heavyweight champion of the world and he's not. You're looking at it, baby. Okay, hey, brother, you are the champ. I'm giving you your due. Let me ask you one more question. Let me ask you one more question. Flamboree, May 23rd. May 23rd, Flamboree, reunion of a legend. The greatest night in pay-per-view wrestling. You've got to wrestle none other than the great European star, Davey Boy Smith. Now, how do you feel about that, champ? <laughs> the pride of Great Britain, huh? The British Chihuahua. Yeah. Let me tell you something about Davey Boy. He's got to go to Vader's School of Pain, just like Sting did in his broken rib, just like Ron Simmons did in his broken shoulder, just like Joe Thurman did with his broken back, just like Cactus Jack and Nikita Koloff. We can't find him because I ran him out of wrestling. Well, Davey boy, you got to go to school. Relax, relax. Okay, hey, one more question. One more question everywhere I go. The kids ask me, wrestlers ask me, hey, Harley probably wants to know too, why do you wear that mask? What, you don't like my mask? I love your mask. What's wrong with my mask? I think your mask is great. Let me tell you something, brother. Where? My mask is on behalf of the public. Where? No, no, no. I'll pay the thousand dollars for that, brother. Where? 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 The 500 pound gorilla sleep. Brother, I'm the bull of it. The bull of the woods, if you will. I go around the Rocky Mountains kicking grizzly bears out of their cave and stealing their food. And you ask me why I wear this mask? Let me tell you something, brother. I wear this mask because I like it. Champ, you made a believer out of me. I like it. I want you to relax and have a good time. This is a talk show, man. This is heavy syndication. Let me tell you something while I got your attention. I got a question for you, nature boy. And you're gonna answer it right here. Who's the man? Who's the man, Nature Boy? The race. Tell him who the man is. The man, Mr. Flair, is sitting right here to your left. Hey, Fifi, you answer a question for Vader. Who's the man? Tell him, Vader.
tired of running around with this boy, and you want to go out with a man, you give Mr. Race a call, and we might put you on the schedule. And you put on your tights, put on your wrestling boots, and get in the square circle, because you too have to go to the school of pain, brother. You got that? Who's the man? Interview is over. Who's the man? You know, Fifi. In closing, let me just say, Big Van Vader, that being the man and staying the man are two different things. Would you say, Fifi? Well, let's talk about next week. But yeah, you guys like Fifi, don't you, huh? Well, next week, Right here, my guest will be the NWA heavyweight champion, Barry Windham. And as promised, I'm going to throw the greatest party in the history of Network Cup. We're going to have beautiful girls, live limousines, champagne, live music. Join us next week for a prayer. Woo! Before Sid was fired, WCW had the Clash of the Champions on November the 10th to set up the backup plan in case Sid wasn't ready to go. Flair defeated Vader by disqualification as Vader destroyed the Nature Boy in the main event. Other matches included Rick Rude and Hawk being counted out in their match for the WCW International World title. The match wasn't very good because Hawk was working despite a knee injury. The Shockmaster beat the Equalizer in an awful match. If you don't know who the Equalizer is, he will become David, or should I say Dave Evad Sullivan later on. Regal retained the TV title over Johnny B. Bad as Dustin Rhodes held onto the U.S. title in his matchup with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. The Battle of the Blondes took place with stunning Steve Austin defeating Flying Brian Pillman with the help from Colonel Robert Parker. World Tag Team Champions, stunning Steve Austin and Flying Brian Sonny Steve, I've seen you beat him in non-title matches, so I know it's just looming around the corner, that tag team title. You're right, Jesse, because what we have here is a couple of world tag team champions who are running for the hills, man. These guys are sweating bullets. They can't sleep at night, and they shake in their boots every time they know that they have to step into the ring with this big blind machine here. Jesse, they remember what we did to them at the Clash. They remember that we beat them in a non-title match on national television. So, Jesse, they know, to make a long story short, that very soon you're looking at the new world tag team champions. I can't dispute that, but Flying Brian, you know, I'm the man that tells it like it is. And i got to ask some hard questions. You suffered a defeat to Marcus Bagwell that I call very questionable. Oh, wait a minute, Jess. There was no defeat. There was no match. I came out the ringside to sign a few autographs, and before I could kiss my first baby, I get attacked from behind by Bagwell and Douglas. Well, thanks to my tremendous courage and will to survive, I was able to hold him off until my partner, my right-hand man, came down. You saw the net result. But let me tell you something, Bagwell. Maybe you need a refresher course. Maybe I need to remind you of the sorry state I left you in. So if there's any time left on this program today. Please, sign for a match. Have another brush with greatness. Back to action. Sid was referred to during this match because they were hoping he would recover by Starcade. Sting and Davey Boy Smith's days as a tag team ended with a loss to the Nasty Boys. Ten days later, Battle Bowl took place with the Lethal Lottery. One of the more underrated gimmicks in professional wrestling history. Eight tag team matches took place with random quote-unquote, tag team partners. Vader and Cactus Jack defeated Kane of Harlem Heat and Charlie Norris. Bad and Brian Nobbs ended Eric Watts and Paul Roma's night. For some reason, the Shockmaster and Paul Orndorff advanced past Steven Regal and Ricky Steamboat. I don't know how. King Kong and Dustin got past Awesome Kong, no relation, and The Equalizer. Sting and Jerry Sags moved on over Ron Simmons and Keith Cole. 
Ric Flair and Steve Austin beat Max Payne and Two Cold Scorpio. What a team. Ric Flair and Steve Austin. Rick Rude and Shanghai Pierce moved on after beating Bagwell and Tex Slashinger. Hawk and Hustler Rip Rogers, yes, Hustler Rip Rogers, beat Davy Boy Smith and Harlem Heat's Cole. All the winners of the tag team matches went on to the final battle royal, which was won by Vader, with him beating up Flair once again. It came down to Starcade, folks. Vader against Flair in a title versus career match. All right, welcome back, everybody, to more of WCW Saturday Night. Great victory just moments ago here for Ric Flair and his partner tonight, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I want to talk about the big one. It's coming up three weeks from this Monday night exclusively on pay-per-view in your hometown. Ric Flair, you put your entire career on the line for an opportunity of meeting this monster of a man, Vader, for the WCW Heavyweight Champion. People are asking me why. Well, I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to tell you why in a long, long sentence. It started in 1975, October 4th, to be exact. I was in an airplane that crashed in Wilmington, North Carolina. Gene Oakland, in that airplane, one of the biggest names our sport has ever known, never walked away. He's paralyzed. His name is John Valentine. In that same airplane, the pilot died. In that same airplane, they carried Ric Flair in an ambulance to the hospital, and a doctor looked him in the eye and said, Kid, you will never wrestle again. Let me tell you what. 18 years later, $10 million later, 10 world championships later, Rick Flair is looking a 400-pound monster. Not the greatest wrestler I've ever competed against, but maybe the greatest athlete in our sport today. A 400-pound man. I'm looking him in the eye, and I'm telling him like I'm telling you, Gene, like I'm telling my mother and father, my wife and kids, Fifi, I want this, this one for me. Because there's a lot of people out there don't think I got it anymore. You know what I mean? Now they say, Flair, you got the nerve to compare yourself to Joe Montana, Ali, Jordan, people like that. Well, you're wrong. I got the credentials to compare myself. You see, I've been in Super Bowls like everybody else. In 1983, me. Take the stadium. Me. And a kid who is in the ground dead now. Terry Von Eric get 47,000 people. I lost. But I lived to wrestle again, and I won again. In 1986, the Orange Bowl, me and Dusty Rhodes, 50,000 people. Rhodes and Flair, not Montana and Marino. The Orange Bowl, it was mine and the American Dream. The arena in St. Louis. That's right. Me, Rhodes, 1983, 19,000 jammed in a smoke-filled building. Sam Mushkin, the greatest promoter of all time, retired that night. Who'd they pick to wrestle the main event? The American Dream and Ric Flair. That's the Super Bowls I've been to. Now, Charlotte, Starcade, it started with Rhodes and Flair. You know who the referee was? Smoking Joe Frazier. That was Starcade 84. Well, Starcade 94, it's a 400-pound monster. It's me. It's my life. And I'll show you why, Vader. Why I'm not afraid to look you or God or anybody else in the eye. Because I'm going to walk that aisle. I'm going to style and profile. I'm going to show you why I'm the greatest wrestler of all time. And why I'm very much Rick Flair. That career on the line three weeks from this Monday night at Starcade. Vader's title against Ric Flair's career. Many of the matches had to be changed for one reason or another. Paul Orndorff and Paul Roma, better known as Pretty Wonderful, I love that tag team name, were teamed in a victory over Bagwell and Scorpio as Roma's original opponent for the show was still recovering, meaning Arn Anderson. Rick Rude 
pinned recent arrival, The Boss, a.k.a. the Big Boss Man from the World Wrestling Federation, to retain the international title after Rude's initial opponent, Davy Boy Smith, was released after his involvement in a barroom brawl. Steamboat and Flair were supposed to wrestle as a tag team, but Ricky wrestled Steven Regal to a 15-minute draw for the TV title instead. It's a good trade-off. Steamboat and Flair's opponent were going to be the Nasty Boys. The Nasties ended up wrestling Sting and Hawk for the world tag titles. Follow all those switches? As a side note, fans, it was this match that led to Missy Hyatt's departure and lawsuit against WCW. Sags got injured during the match so he couldn't break up the pinfall for the scheduled disqualification ending. Missy runs in to cause the DQ, but she wasn't dressed appropriately as it wasn't planned for her to be involved. She falls out of her top on live TV, and Missy found a picture of her exposure pinned to a bulletin board at the CNN Center the next month. Imagine if that was done in this day and age. A lot worse would have happened. I tweet you that. It's sexy. It's wild. And it's all Missy. It's the 1994 WCW calendar, featuring the first lady of world championship wrestling, Missy Hyatt. Loaded with 12 months worth of unforgettable images. The 1994 WCW Missy poster calendar. It's yours for only $9.95 each plus postage and handling by calling 1-800-4WCW-NOW. This is a limited time offer, so order now. When her complaints to Eric Bischoff go unanswered, she goes over his head and talks to his boss. Bischoff fires her the very next day, prompting the lawsuit. It was settled in December of 1996 nearly three years after the incident took place. Now, get, let's get back to Starkey, folks. Terry Taylor beat the Equalizer in a dark match in a what-were-they-faking-for-the-biggest-show-of-the-year match. The Shockmaster beat King Kong, Cactus Jack, and the newly-turned-face Max Payne beat Slashinger and Pierce. Stunning Steve Austin won the U.S. title from Dustin Rhodes in two straight falls, as Steve was promised a big push after the Blondes' breakup. And in one of the most emotional matches of the year, I'll admit it because I saw it on pay-per-view, Ric Flair pinned Vader to win the WCW World title. Flair saved WCW yet again. The big man's going for it all. Moonsault! At the time, I wasn't ordering many pay-per-views on my own because, one, I was a kid. I couldn't really push my dad to order pay-per-views outside the World Wrestling Federation events. Granted, I was a big-time wrestling fan, wrestling fan, but there weren't many shows that I wanted to see outside WWF shows. I loved all wrestling, loved watching on TV, but I wasn't really committed to going outside basic free TV 
to watch anything other than the WWF. This is one of the very few events that I couldn't wait to order on pay-per-view to see Ric Flair take on Vader because it had you emotionally invested in the match. But while Flair could salvage Starcade, it was too late for the whole year. After all the bad angles, low pay-per-view buy rates, and other mishaps, WCW reportedly lost around $23 million in 1993. Before everything was calculated, Ric Flair was made one of the top bookers as a thank you for Starcade and the results of a meeting between the wrestlers and Ted Turner. Rick was the only wrestler that Turner was familiar with and kept asking his opinion. Also, Bobby the Brain Heenan was signed on to join the announcing team as he had just parted ways with the WWF. It fit perfectly for the time for the Brain. He never wanted to leave the World Wrestling Federation, but his neck was bothering him. There was an intense travel schedule. Going to WCW would cut down his dates tremendously. He'd be able to base his personal life from Florida, where he currently resided, and able to spend more, he had been able to spend more time with his daughter. It fit for him as he wanted to prepare for neck surgery, and WCW was going to offer him benefits, medical benefits, to do so. So you can say reluctantly, the brain signed on and was a part of World Championship Wrestling. A shocking moment for me, as I wasn't expecting all of a sudden the brain was on WCW television. He was my WWF guy, and all of a sudden he's gone, and now over to WCW. A big coup for the company, but they didn't know how to use them to the fullest extent that you could get the most out of the brain. We are live Fat Man Rouge. This is the St. Capital of Louisiana. This is the home of Louisiana State and Southern Universities. And folks, this is Asian country. And that means jumbo, jambalaya, and good times. Hi, everyone. I'm Mean Gene Okerlund. Welcome to the Clash of Champions live here on TBS. We've got a packed house and we have got action. I can hardly wait for Flair and Sting to combine their talents as they meet Vader and Ravishing Rick Rude. And what about Brian Pillman meeting Colonel Robert Parker? All of that coming up and the most exciting two hours on national television right here live on TBS. Right now, let's Hold on a second. Just a second. Ladies and gentlemen, don't don't leave your television sets. I cannot believe what I am hearing. Oh, this is the worst news I heard since my mother-in-law announced she was going to move in a year and a half ago. You've got to be kidding me. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe it. Bobby the Brain Keenan. You leave me alone. You follow me everywhere. What are you doing here? I work here. What are you doing here? Well, who says you work here? Who says I work here? Try Ted and Jane, the Turner. I'm on board now, pal. And these people are going to have to learn some respect because, pal, I could become your boss like that. You know, Heaton, I got to tell you something. As long as you are in WCW, you're like Tanya Harding. You're going to be on thin ice here. How'd you like me to take a crowbar to your kneecap and reverse it? I got work to do. You shut up, little man. All right. Along and short of it, Bobby the Brain Heenan apparently to join my good friend Tony Schiavone here at the Clash of Champions on Other Soccer. Right now, let's get up to the ring. And The Brain was a part of World Championship Wrestling. Now, you can't entirely blame Eric Bischoff for this mishap of 93 as he's just getting accustomed and adjusted to his new executive vice president position. Some of the blame could be put on him and what he allowed to take place or what was allowed to take place during the latter portion of 93, but it wasn't yet all on his shoulders at that point. Now we come to 1994. The first show of the new year was the Clash of the Champions on January 27th. Bagwell and Scorpio defeated Pretty Wonderful when Marcus pinned Paul Roma. Ron Simmons was turned heel as he beat his former protege, Ice Train. Brian Pillman and Colonel Parker battle in a loser wears a chicken suit match. Yes, 
That's right, folks. Parker ended up having to wear the suit, of course. The Nasty Boys were put into a feud with Max Payne and Cactus Jack as Jack and Max won a non-title match. Lord Stephen Regal and Dustin Rhodes' TV title match went to a time limit draw. Back then, TV title matches were usually 15-minute matches in length. I love that idea and wish it was done to this very day. We saw a little bit of it in TNA recently with their TV title and the Bound for Glory series with the time limit put in. A great stipulation that can shape a storyline, shape an angle between two stars so easily. You have a built-in storyline right there. The main event was an elimination tag team match between Sting and Flair against Vader and Rick Rude. Flair and Vader were counted out as Sting went over Rude to start a feud between them. At this point, Turner executives had gotten the final totals for 1993 and were not happy with the amount of money lost by WCW. Strong consideration was given to closing the promotion down, to actually closing down World Championship Wrestling. At this point, those rumors, those suggestions ran higher than ever. Eric Bischoff proposed that part of the problem was that WCW did not have any credibility with casual fans or media. The credibility factor was true, you could say, but WCW's problems ran deeper than that. Bischoff convinced Turner execs to open up the purse strings in order to hire talent that was better known to the casual fan. Bischoff had his eyes set on one man in particular and began negotiating with him. As Bischoff set his acquisition plans in motion, Super Brawl occurred on February 20th. Harlem Heat defeated the team of Thunder and Lightning. Lightning went on to greater fame as the imposter sting in the NWO. Jungle Jim Steele beat the Equalizer. Terry Taylor beat Diamond Dallas Page. Johnny B. Bad went over Jimmy Garvin while Regal retained the TV title over the returning AA Arn Anderson. Cactus Jack and Max Payne got a DQ victory over the Nasty Boys while Pillman pinned Austin in the Thunder Cage tag match between Sting, Pillman, and Dustin against Austin, Rude, and Orndorff. The main event was the rematch between Flair and Vader inside of the Thunder Cage. The boss was the special referee as Flair could not decide whether to give the title back to Vader or not. Ultimately, Flair chose to keep the title on himself to build to a Flair versus Steamboat match at the next pay-per-view. The next month, WCW sent many of their stars for another overseas tour. Just like the tour back in October, an incident occurred that became part of wrestling folklore. It happened in Munich, Germany on March 17th in a match between Cactus Jack and Vader. Yes, fans, I know you're saying it right now. WCW said there would never be a rematch after Halloween Havoc, but it isn't the first or last time a wrestling promotion has lied to its fans. Cactus was caught in the ropes in the hangman spot. The hangman spot basically is where the wrestler goes over the top rope but catches his head between the second and third rope to be hung or hanged by his neck. McFoley was very famous for doing this spot. Unfortunately, after a wrestler complained about the ropes being too loose during an earlier match, the cables were tightened and Jack could not get out. Vader didn't notice that Cactus was in trouble, and with his air running out, Jack made a desperate lunge to successfully free himself. His right ear was torn and fell off a few minutes later during the match. The ear was so badly damaged that it could not be reattached. And, just like Brian Pillman's injury in War Games a few years earlier, WCW does nothing with a possible money-making angle that fell straight into their laps. All right, fans, Gino going to back it all with Cactus Jack here on Saturday night. In a moment, we're going to get up to the ring and see Vader. You saw him recently in Germany. The fans there know a lot of them here in this country, but Cactus Jack, uh, you did it the hard way, so to speak. I'm going to take my cap off to Vader. Vader, it seems like you've made it your life's mission to go about destroying Cactus Jack's face. Well, you're too late. You're about 10 years too late because someone beat you to the task. But the word I get, Mean Gene, was it wasn't Cactus Jack as he walked back with his hand clutching what used to be his ear. Showing fear, no, it was Vader. Because he knew that somewhere, someplace, sometime, he'd have to pay the price, Invader, my friend. You will! 
but right now it's time for the Master Bowl. And the spring stampede, let me point out, this is going to be a Chicago street fight. You and Max Payne meeting the WCW Tag Team title holders. I understand the rule book has been thrown out the window and falls count anywhere. That's right, but there is one book of rules I'm sticking to, and that's Cactus Jack's Rules of Etiquette, which says those who hurt Cactus Jack first pay first. And Nasty Boys, it was you giving me eternal injuries. No day at the park, a concussion for Max Payne. Well, now comes the time in Chicago where you pay tenfold for all your sins, and you will, because rules don't count and falls from anywhere. It's a match I've made into a piece of art. A very violent piece of art. Big name! All right, Chicago Street Fight a week from tomorrow night on pay-per-view. Don't miss it. Despite the injury from a month earlier, Cactus makes the April 17th pay-per-view spring stampede. Jack and Max Payne went against the Nasty Boys in a wild Chicago street fight. The Nasties ended up winning the match. The Nasties ended up Winning the match, also in dark matches, Danny Bonaducci beat Christopher Knight. Yes, it was the Brady Bunch vs. Partridge family. Bonaducci was a disc jockey in Chicago, and it got the show more publicity. This won't be the first time Bonaducci enters the world of wrestling. Pat Tanaka and Haito beat Kevin Sullivan and the former equalizer, Dave or Evad Sullivan, his storyline brother. Johnny B. Bad defeated Page while Pillman and Regal went to a time limit draw for the TV title. Austin beat Muda by DQ in their U.S. title match, and Bunkhouse Buck pinned Dustin Rhodes in a Bunkhouse match. Vader pinned the boss to continue their feud, which started at Super Bowl. After the match, the boss attacked Vader with his nightstick, which caused Commissioner Nick Bockwinkle to take away the nightstick and the name of the boss. In actuality, the WWF sent a cease and desist to WCW as the boss gimmick was exactly the same as the big boss man. He was changed to the Guardian Angel. Flair and Steamboat's world title match went to a no contest as both men had their shoulders to the mat. Sting also defeated Rude for the international title. Soon after, Sting and Rude had a rematch over in Japan. Rude won the title back but suffered a career-ending back injury during the match. A lawsuit was filed by Rude over the injury, but it wasn't settled for several years. Rumors were going around that Bischoff was trying to hire the biggest star in wrestling for WCW to make up for these losses, and quite frankly, get him to where he needed to be, in with the quote-unquote casual fan. Rumors were running rampant. Who was it going to be? The biggest star in wrestling was being poached by Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff was going after the immortal Hulk Hogan. Actually, it had been rumored ever since Hogan left the WWF the previous year, but WCW did not have the money to afford him. In 93, Hogan, Beefcake, and the Ultimate Warrior were all rumored, all three of them, to be nearly signed to WCW, but none of them panned out. A lot of people were skeptical, they were skeptical, you could say, that this would turn out any different. Slamboree rolled around on May 22nd. Once again, legends of the past were honored as the assassin Jody Hamilton, Ole Anderson, Harley Race, Ernie Ladd, The Crusher, and Dick the Bruiser were all entered into the Hall of Fame. This year only saw one legends match as Terry Funk and Tully Blanchard battled to a double disqualification. A future WWF star saw action at Slamboree, though it was a dark match. Pretty Wonderful beat Brad and Brian Armstrong. You might know Brian as the road dog Jesse James. Austin pinned Bad to hold on to the U.S. title. Announcer Larry Zabisco was having problems with Lord Steven Regal on WCW Saturday night. So he came out of retirement to pin Regal at the show. Larry actually ended up winning the TV title on the Saturday show, which was actually taped before the show, but not aired until after. Get it? Dustin Rhodes beat Bunkhouse Buck in a bull rope match, but he was attacked after the match by Terry Funk. Flair retained the world title over Barry Windham while Cactus Jack was involved in yet another wild brawl of a match. This time, he teamed with Kevin Sullivan against the Nasties in what was called a Broad Street Bully match. Get it? Special referee for the match was highly noted NHL bully Dave Schultz. 
and Jack and Kevin were the tag champs after the dust had settled and all was done. Due to Rick Root's injury and being out of wrestling quite possibly forever, WCW came up with a scenario to keep the international title in play in storyline. It was announced that Rude was DQ'd in the match over in Japan and the title was being returned to Sting. Sting refused to get it that way and proposed the title was vacant, pending his match with Vader that evening. Sting won the match and was declared the new international champion. It seemed that things were more focused this year as opposed to last. Flair was still a huge babyface and the current world champ. Steve Austin was the U.S. champion, and Flair was getting him ready for a world title run. Sting was still popular as the international title holder, and the fans were really into the wild matches between the Nasty Boys and Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan. The program between Zabisco and Regal was getting the most heat Regal had ever gotten before, and more surprising, Zabisco getting cheered for the first time in 15 years. Little did they realize what was actually coming. Wait a minute. A bulletin is coming across. Hulk Hogan! Hulk Hogan has just signed with World Championship Wrestling! And legions of fans are following this man right now the World Championship Wrestling. Eric Bischoff, greatest day professional wrestling has ever seen. Hulk saw the dollar signs uh, kind of flying through the air and he came aboard and no doubt he was a big boom of the business. The first really big move in the new WCW. Hogan will be and always has been the biggest star in this industry. There's no, there's no doubting that. When someone says wrestling, if they don't know anything about wrestling, that oh, that's that's a thing that Hulk Hogan does. They know that. Hogan legitimized uh, WCW. It all began with a message scrolling across the bottom of the screen on WCW Saturday Night. Hulk Hogan signs with WCW. Hulk Hogan signs with World Championship Wrestling. Poster, before you do anything else, I've been asked by World Championship Wrestling officials to make it official. Right here, I've got the contract. I'm going to have you with uh, your John Henry and Jimmy Hart. You little legal beagle, you see to it that this signature is affixed to the contract. And then let's hear it because history is being made right before your very eyes that does it here we go get ready for the ride of your life ladies and gentlemen beginning in 1994 Bischoff declared open war on McMahon's WWF in the media and aggressively recruited high profile performers such as Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage Using Turner's monetary resources, Bischoff placed his faith in established stars with proven track records. Because of their high profiles, however, Hogan and Savage were able to demand and get several concessions not usually allowed to wrestlers at the time, such as multi-year, multi-million dollar guaranteed contracts. Guaranteed contracts, that's the key point there, fans. And significant creative control over their characters. This would later become a problem during the subsequent years of competition with the Federation. Which we'll get into towards the latter portion of our course students. Hogan, in particular, was able to gain considerable influence through a friendship with, with Bischoff. Another thing Bischoff may have failed to consider was that the fact that many WCW fans, especially those who had followed the company since its NWA days, as we discussed in Chapter 1, watched it as an alternative product to the WWF that focused on in-ring action as opposed to cartoonish characters and storylines. As such, these fans viewed Bischoff signing a former WWF talent as an attempt to copy its success instead of remaining true to the idea of WCW being an alternative to the WWF. As the casual fan may have grown interested in WCW, the hardcore, loyal fan of WCW was seeing its company lose its identity. Nevertheless, WCW's first major pay-per-view event since Hogan's hiring was Bash at the Beach. It saw former WWF mainstay cleanly defeat, the Hulkster cleanly defeated, Ric Flair for the WCW World Championship. The two had worked for the WWF at the same time from 91 to 92, and a feud was teased between them, but the big money match was we discussed before that was originally planned for WrestleMania, I think it was WrestleMania 8 to be exact, was changed to Flair Savage and Hogan vs. Sid, and it never came to fruition. 
big mistake by the World Wrestling Federation. When WCW delivered the match, the pay-per-view drew a high buy rate by WCW standards due to mainstream intrigue and hype. Despite being a critical and financial success, the glory would not last long, as the Hogan-Flair feud was only a one-off match, and the hope for long-term effects on pay-per-view buy rates and ratings did not materialize as a result. Turner Management came to this realization that they checked up on the state of the company in mid-95. Hence, Bischoff called Turner and requested a private meeting, which he was granted. The company was, at one point, losing almost $10 million a year, but Bischoff turned that all around in the years to come. Bischoff called Turner to request this private meeting, Turner accepted, and the decision was made that would change professional wrestling forever. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. You know that feeling you get when you save money on parts without having to jump through any hoops, track points, or make a bunch of extra trips to the store? Yeah, that's the one. Introducing Speed Perks from Advance Auto Parts, a rewards program for guys who love getting under the hood. No cards, no points, no nonsense. You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Beyond the Bell. You can listen to Beyond the Bell on iTunes, Player.fm, the SNS Radio Network, Podbay.fm, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our official website, btbcast.com. Connect socially on Facebook and Twitter at btbcast. Watch retro videos on our official YouTube channel, btbcast network. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be sent to contact at btbcast.com. BeCast.com. Go old school with Beyond the Bell. As WCW gains more momentum, we look ahead to Chapter 8 as we cover the monumental arrival of the immortal Hulk Hogan in World Championship Wrestling. We relive the Flair Hogan feud, as well as the debuts of new WCW talent and former WWF mainstays. All this and more in Chapter 8, coming up on our next edition of Beyond the Bell. Tonight's content, courtesy of Soli's Vintage Wrestling, the Mid-Atlantic Gateway, DDT Digest, Legacy of Wrestling, as well as the PW Torch and the Wrestling Observer. Audio courtesy of High Spots, YouTube, the WWE Network, and WWE DVD releases, the rise and fall of WCW, and the history of the World Heavyweight Championship. Well, fans, we get ready for the Hulkamania era of WCW in Chapter 8. Until then, this is your host, Sean Beckerman, signing off. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Bell. Remember to always keep it old school, my friends.